headed out. Hello and welcome to episode 81 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast, telling stories from the LAFC community match by match, fan by fan, falcon by falcon. You guessed it, folks. Tonight joining us is Ken McNuck at LAFC Falconer of At Wing Solutions and now known as California Falconry. So, sir, welcome to the show. Thank you. I shouldn't applaud myself, should I? I was Absolutely, you. you should. Absolutely, I'm just you should. It was, it was so impressive, that intro, really. Welcome, welcome. It's, it's an exciting time when you're going through a rebrand, and uh, what was once now as Winged Solutions is now known as California Falconry. It's like a phoenix rising from the ashes. Oh, my God, that is such a good analogy. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it is from the ashes, right up. Well, hey, but thank you very much for coming on. We uh, appreciate you spending time with us this evening. And uh, can't wait to talk. How's everything been with you? We, you know, we haven't seen you. Usually, you, you're you're very gracious enough to have uh, meet and greets throughout the the matches and stuff like that. People can take pictures with you, with Ollie and Fig and Mel and whichever ones you have. And so, how have you been? Have you been holding up in this year of 2020, 2021? Well, first of all, it's truly my privilege to to meet and greet and hug a thousand fans. I just love it. My son loves it. My grandson is now a soccer fanatic. So it is more than my pleasure. As far as 2020 goes, that's, and try to keep that in the rear view mirror. Lesson learned. There's some dark times, yes. but uh, we're, we're another day closer to being yeah. back oh, yeah. at the bank. So. Yeah, I think that it, the light is at the end of the tunnel. You know, we just got the announcement about the schools potentially being able to open up today. So it's it's looking, the light, I feel like, is closer than it's ever been at the end of that tunnel. So it's exciting. And it's not a freight liner. No. Well, thank you so no, much not. for joining us. We really, really sincerely appreciate you being here. You are an icon of the club. What you do is, is so unique in this sport. It is unparalleled. The experience that you bring to every game at the bank with that ritual is absolutely something that is must-see entertainment in a town of every bit of entertainment there could be. So uh, really, thank you so much for, for what you do and what you bring to us. And thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. I was thrilled. I'm a little miffed it took so long to get on. I really wanted to be for a long time, but I'm not going to bring that up. I'm really glad to be here. My well, pleasure. I'm glad we finally got you know, our act together and extended an invite to you. So uh, thank you so much for joining the show. With that, boys, um, there is some news dropping around LAFC real quick before we get into the story of Ken. We do have a new kit that's out there, and I'm very curious to hear everyone's thoughts, Ken's included, on what the new kit looks like that we've seen as far as our linen kit that appears to have a little bit more traction. I dig it. You know, we had the earlier episodes where we talked about them being potentially being pink, and I wasn't a huge fan of them. So this cream color, I'm definitely Wait, wait, for. wasn't? wasn't a huge fan i think might be just underselling a little bit your opinion about what could have been a pink kid there brother oh my uh, god it was terrible dude it oh. would have been terrible it would have been all sorts of terrible and but this cream color i dig it i like the los angeles on the sleeves still holding out for a kit sponsor i mean i think the kit will look very clean if there isn't a kit sponsor but I am a fan of having kit sponsors on there. Hopefully it's something that jives well with, uh, with you know, I think that and- California Falconry logo would look sick right there. Oh center of the <laughs> I would totally agree. There we go. It would look bad. Oh. 
at, at least on the, if not on the chest, maybe get it on the sleeve. We got to get it somewhere. You know, on my budget, we'll put it on a pinhead on, on a shoulder. <laughs> I'd be happy. Maybe inside the collar, you know, on like, yeah. like the jazz symbols they have uh, for what is that Austin FC or whatever that has the kit with all the little symbols inside. Then anyway, I digress. I like the kit a lot. The sleeves my favorite part, although I do think there's going to be a kit sponsor at some point. I think just because that's a negotiation doesn't have it. But I think that logo, just going back to your logo, Ken, I think that'd be a good like gamers logo, by the way, like a gamer team online gaming something to think about in regards to the kit i'm excited about it i like this color i think once it's released and i see it in real life it has a potential to be my favorite second kit and i think it's trended better every year i thought the last one was better than the one before so i think this this kit will be better than the white kit we have now i love it i just think it looks so much cleaner without a billboard on the chest you weren't weren't a fan of the youtube tv logo no, it does look cool, but without any logo, it oh. looks more like a jersey. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, Adidas is there, but our crest is more prominent. It looks cooler to me because that's yeah, what it's that. all about, especially oh, yeah. with four feathers. It's a clean it. kit. It's a clean kit. It's a simple kit. I think, uh, you know, they went for less is more, and I'm all right with that. And, uh, you know, so in other club news, uh, we've had a couple player moves. We had one player announce that he was going to no longer be at the club. He gave us a very heartfelt thank you to on social media. That is uh, Dejan Djokovic. You know, I'm going to miss him. I was a fan. Uh, I know that not everybody else was a fan. Uh, you know, he was in our, our first, oh, he was in our first starting 11, played in that game against, in both games against Seattle. You know, he has the record for the fastest goal scored. Yep, there you go. For those of, well, there's this video doesn't go, doesn't do any justice because nobody can see it. But Jonathan just pulled out a, his starting 11 autograph from uh, the very first match that's missing Simon, right? Yep, yep. It has everyone's autograph from the original starting 11 except oh, for Laurent Simon. My God. Isn't that awesome? That but, is amazing. Know, it, but uh, so Dejan Djokovic goes down in the records books. He's got the fastest goal scored in LAFC history. And that happened earlier in 2020 when he scored like within two minutes of the very first start of the game. He'll always be an original part of our history. So I'm going to be sad to see him go. Always black and gold. Absolutely. It's a big shame. Anytime you lose an icon, a piece of the history, but that's the end of his career. He was uh, ready to hang him up. You know, he gave it his all there towards the end and will always have that historic moment for us and, and played serviceably well for us. You know, nothing you can say about someone at the end of their career putting in with the work that he put in. I thought it was pretty solid. I'm curious to hear Ken's thought. I liked the guy. I thought he was impressive. I thought he was headsy as could be in terms of where he's supposed to be on the pitch. So I was surprised. But then again, this, this is an incredibly hard game and to put in all, all those years. I can't imagine. And leave LAFC. My God, we love dude. I mean, didn't we for the most part? I thought he was like awesome and he showed up at the right place at the right time. Absolutely. Absolutely. He did. Christian? Yeah, but I think by and large, he, he, he played his role. He wasn't necessarily a starter, but he, when he needed to step up or be in the game, he, he played well. So I think there's a lot to be said to having a complete 23-man roster. And he was part of that in the last few years so we'll miss him it's not going to be easy to replace a backup center back like that so 
and you know he was doing it into his 30s like ken said that's not easy hopefully we can find a good uh, serviceable replacement to fill that role well that brings us to our final bit of news and notes for the show and that raheem edwards is getting added to the roster so christian you had some thoughts on that you wanted to share with us it's interesting. I, I think the the midfield is getting a little deeper, which is which is good. Only thing that it's unfortunate. It sounds like it's an international roster spot, so I'm not sure, you know, if that is of good practice moving forward. I, I don't know if we're going to have any activity in the transfer window, especially with Raito out in Spain on loan with a potential to be a full transfer. But an interesting move. I think that we have a solid starting three, four to five man deep midfield so him being there I think is just another testament to LAFC taking every competition seriously this year those are my thoughts on it Chris I think it'll be good I think that it's always good to add depth and as our season gets longer and if especially if we include our U.S. Open Cup competition injuries international duty things like that I think that it's good to have this depth and especially now that we had reached we had talked about having the Las Vegas Lights as a potential USL. I think that that'll also give our players opportunities to continue to see minutes, which is good. So I'm hoping that it works out. It's kind of interesting, the whole thing about how we had drafted Raheem Edwards in the original expansion draft, and then we had traded him and another player for uh, Laurent Simon. So it's interesting that we're getting him back again. You know, what it was is- meant to be at one point is finally to be. It's fitting. It's fitting. It comes around full circle. And uh, I can only pray, hope, cross every toe and finger that the Las Vegas lights do end up becoming our affiliate. I can't wait for a Las Vegas trip. You're already already halfway there, right? So, you know, that's just a hop, skip and a jump for you. But do you have any thoughts on uh, the Raheem Edwards edition? Actually, I am not knowledgeable enough of the game. My really first match was April 2018. And at the third season, I actually started to see the game and the nuances and the transition and the flows and the passing lanes. And then as far as the complexities of international spots and freaking losing the whole damn team almost to their uh, national teams, then how much we get for a trade, it's, I don't understand that but I'm going to get there another decade or so. I'm assuming that, I mean, right after you do the Falcon flight, there's probably a lot of work that has to go in as far as getting the birds back and put away and everything. It's not like you can just sit down and watch the match. I mean, you're still working at that point. So I would imagine there's probably a lot going on behind the scenes there as soon as the flight itself is over. Yeah, actually I have a full schedule before, during, and after the entire match. Before the game, you're always prepping. There's photo ops and places to be. Then we have the honorary Faulkner gig, which is the second coolest thing I've ever done for LFC. Maybe the coolest, I don't know. Then personally, I have a meet and greets where I'm walking throughout the stadium, usually to, you know, the director's box and the owner's boxes and selected VIPs. I always have to go to the Bank of California suite. You know, their name's still on the building. So we do their photo ops. So really super busy. And people totally understand when I'm doing a photo op and I move them around so that they're standing in front of the TV so I can watch the game. They all have picked up on that. 
Then after the game, we do a falconry experience. It's a donation that's worked at the foundation table. We also have a falconer and we bring a hawk or a falcon. So we can do the photo ops with the fans there as well on tier one by the Northwest entrance on the concourse, I guess I should say. And it's a, it's a bid and people get to have a hawk fly to their glove and feel the wind in the air and get slapped in the face by a wing and, you know, get to say, hi, how you doing? I'm not scared. It's a pretty cool experience and we do raise money for the foundation. So oh, that's, that's amazing. Kind of, kind of my gig for the, the game. So no, I don't get to watch it. But my grandson calls me up and we rewatch it and he's big time into soccer now. And he explains to me the nuances and he is my mentor for learning it and understanding the beauty and the subtleties and the transitions. And of course you get to see the violence and intensity, which I never imagined happened. I'm like, yes. So. You mentioned that, uh, you know, your first match that you watched was in 2018. So prior to LAFC, did you ever follow any other sports teams or if, you know, what, what teams were they, what leagues did you follow? Things like that. Green Bay Packers fan, freshman in high school, didn't know a thing about it. Grew up in Air Force brat, so I never had like a home team, but I started playing football. I'm a nerd. I had a pocket protector. So I started reading books on the Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so I started reading books on football and I learned about the history of the Green Bay Packers. The team owns it. When other opposing players go there, they said they're treated like royalty. If the team is ever sold, 100% of the monies go to charity. I mean, to me, oh, by the way, they don't have a Super Bowl trophy. It's called a Vince Lombardi trophy. So I fell in love with the history of the Packers and I've always followed them no matter where I moved. And it's not real football. I know that. And quite frankly, once I got hooked onto the intangible, the almost tactile tension and energy that you feel on the pitch and the stands, I'm bored to death with football. So I, I love uh, black and gold and kind of look at the Packers now, you know. I liked them when they really sucked, too, before Brett Favre. <laughs> the so Favre. It's amazing how LAFC seems to carve away more and more of our collective fandom of other teams we had prior to LAFC. It seems like it continues to take a little bit bigger slice of the pie away from us as a uh, comparison to the other sports that we love, at least uh, for so many people that I speak to within the community. So we know Isn't that you want soccer, the fastest growing sport in the United States. Uh, I definitely think it is. I've heard that a few different places. I don't know where exactly they got that statistic from. I have heard that on a few different shows. From the owners. <laughs> no, I think that's a fact. I think there are, I think uh, soccer or football, it's already the I think third highest in-person attendance. Like it, it's left hockey in the dust in the US. I think viewership is already overtaking that. So you know it's growing. And I think like your grandson, I think they're growing up with it too, with gaming, uh also with FIFA, then playing it and then going to the stadiums because the, the team is here now. I think all that is kind of snowballing into it becoming part of the culture in the cities that have a professional team. 
you just have to go to a match and it will change people's lives. I tell people that all the time. There's like guys at work. I'll usually give them, you know, two tickets for free. You know, oh, like, you hey, go set the bait. I just, yeah, just go yeah. once. And then, and then once they go and it's like, all right, now I got you. That to me is always about trying to build the fan base. There's people that have never gone once. Well, you, you got to go. You got to go once. Do it for me. Go on me, you know, and, and have a good time. Cause I know that they will. And that's the whole thing. Whenever I bring someone random to the game, I always like to ask him at various points in time through the night, just to, how you feeling? Like, how you feeling when we're on the Metro or wherever we're heading down there, you get to the stadium, the pregame atmosphere, how you feeling? And then, you know, about that, that 40th minute first match, when you're just pushing to try and finish the first half in the supporters section there and you're sweating and all that, you know, just kind of check back in with them then. And, and then after the game, and, and it's so funny how it just, I mean, the energy just continues to rise. It's awesome. I talked to a lot of Europeans, and it is by far the best sporting event in North America that they have ever been to, the bank. They've gone to the other guys and Dodgers and all that, but the 3252 brings such a tremendous Dortmund-style energy, just one one-hundredth the size. It is truly addictive. I had four season tickets. The first year I had to beg my family to come, please watch me fly. The second season was like a knife fight to get those tickets. They were <laughs> addicted. And everyone said the same thing. It's like, oh my God, I can't sit still. My heart's doing 120. This is fast ad. That's a quote from everyone who's ever gone. It is truly a beautiful experience. Absolutely. So, I mean, we know that you fell in love with the beautiful game football through LAFC. Did you have any exposure to the sport before that? I mean, was it ever in your periphery? Or was it something that you just sort of knew existed but were never really involved in? I was a jock. I played a lot of left bench and went right bench. You have a chance to get in. Left bench, you know, you made the team kind of guy. That was for uh, American football. I played soccer, but. Okay, true story. Coach Watney, Hoover High School. We're doing the 40 and the 100-yard dashes. Coach and I did not like each other. So he has a stopwatch out. McNuck shows up. He brought a bloody sundial. And that actually was representative of how slow I run. So people who run slow do not like to play soccer because it's a, it's a game of speed. Of foot. That's hilarious. Uh, well, at, Not that at the time, time. yeah, I mean, you had other pursuits already in the world of falconry at this time. We know you started at the age of nine years old. I can just barely imagine the conversation you must have had with your parents as a nine-year-old asking for this bird of prey with these sharp talons and the ability to rip flesh and destroy things. And here you are a nine-year-old. How did you ever convince your parents to ever let you get into this? I was an obsessive compulsive. I had a disorder. My first love was seeing them in the wild. I found out where they nested, where they hunted, how they hunted, different species. You know, my idea of, of a good weekend is getting my backpack out and going camping, watching hawks and falcons. So... They would like, well, you get good grades and you can. It's like, deal. And I, I raised a baby owl in uh, my house. 
And that was, that's how much my parents loved me and supported me. <laughs> Baby owls eat a lot and poop a lot. I'm sure, so yeah. They grow their, their downy feathers four times. So it was like a bloody snow globe in there. And they still let me have it. It was packing up owl pellets as well, too, right? You get those nice little. Oh, yeah. Those don't smell or stink, though. They're poo. Yeah, they have this thing called the black tar of death. Oof. And they're emptying out their intestines. It happens about once every two days. Yes. That's it. It's worse than it sounds. See, kids, get into owning falcons and owls, and, and this is what you get to enjoy. So how is it you go from uh, convincing your parents at nine years old to, to getting you were licensed at 16 years old, right, is when you got your first license? That's, That's when you were really allowed to. Early. So what were the kind of birds that you were raising as a kid? What was the kind of stuff that you were doing? First of all, there are three different classes of falconers. One of them is called a real falconer, which means he loses his falcon or a hawk or owl on game in free flight. And it catches it and it eats it. It is what it is. It is nature happening and you get to watch it. So I hunted little kestrels, red tails, great horned owls, Cooper's hawks, prairie falcons. And it was a hunt. But it's not like when you bring a 12 gauge out and you blast it, you get 20 chances and you might get one. Because mother nature has parity and fairness in it all. So the, the strong, the healthy, the wise get away. That dumb young one, though, is delish. Kind of a deal. So then there's a second type of falconer is a professional falconer, which I am that also. And we do primarily bird abatement. We fly hawks and falcons around. We scare away birds, protect crops, your $20 french fries at high-end resorts, stuff like that. Well, I work in the wine industry. There's almost every winery I go to, they talk about hiring falcons in order to protect the grapes from predators. It's quite popular. I, I run across it all the time in, in the booze world. Yeah, it's where I actually got my foundation in professional falconer. And then the third type of falconer is, uh, I guess you call it entertainment, an exhibition of falconers who does shows and demos and stuff like that. So I actually do all three of those. So how I got my start was just pure bloodlust. I was a hunter with hawks, falcons. Never got to hunt an eagle yet. Got, got to work my federal permits. Left the house at 18 because my dad and I were just alike. Did not get along. We just, our way or the highway. 18, it was the highway. Uh, became an electrician, put myself through college. Got a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering. Loved engineering. Just It's, it's creative intellectual fun process i made a mistake of going into management because engineers are the biggest pain in the fiduciary to deal with as a group we tend to lack people skills and every one of us you know you get us a hundred in a room every one of us thought we're the smartest one in the room it was such a stressful challenge i couldn't tell you and because of the stress, I got this eye condition called CSR, Central Service Retinopathy. Capillary ruptured in the back of my right eye behind the pigment, pushed it forward. So when I look at, I usually tell this to women, it doesn't work as good with you, but I'm going to imagine 
But I look at with the right eye, and you look a lot skinnier and taller than the left eye. And then when I look at the right there, there's this little distortion. So the problem my brain has with that is when you read, your right eye and left eye gets converged into an image in your brain. Well, that will never happen because now the back of the retina is distorted. So I get eye strain and I would get migraines and I couldn't read all day. If you don't read all day, you're not an engineer. So I lost my career, terrified. You know, you got mouths to feed, single income. So I went back to being an electrician. I had the pity party. It was like, I don't want to be back here. I went through college. You know, I had this grand vision. And my wife, my gentle, sweet, loving wife, just said, knock it the flaming off. <laughs> I am not having this. If you want to do it, let's go do it. So we invested. Sounds like a good life. woman. Oh, man, I still got the bruise. So right now there's a bump right there. <laughs> yeah, I meet my wife. She don't play. No Kens were harmed in the making of this career. Yeah. So went through that whole emotional process, invested, got my first account. That's the only one I ever marketed. Every other account came to me by word of mouth. I was, well, 2019. I was one of the largest professional file printing companies in the United States, mostly specializing in resorts. Didn't do a lot of agriculture, which I really regret now, because that's a lot re more resistant to recessions and plagues. So I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's find that, that that pandemic-proof falconry. There you go. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. so uh, started it one day at the uh, Merritt Renaissance Esmeralda. It's in Palm Desert. It's still our favorite resort today. Dave Hathaway was the guy building the Bank of California Stadium. Two weeks prior to he and I talking, he was in a meeting with the owners and they're looking at our super awesome press and like being all philosophical, like what does it symbolize? What does it mean? Can we get something really cool like a falcon? And Dave goes, I know a guy. Dave Hathaway was going to resort for years. He watched me fly my Falcons, saw how I am with people. And he asked me, would I like to do this for LAFC? And I thought, not really. <laughs> I didn't. Right. No. Well, can you, can you replicate the real, the real sales pitch? Like, how did he try to sell it to you? And then what was your reaction? Well, they want like a Falcon for the symbol and be like a rah-rah cheerleader. And I'm like, well, this is a professional sports team. I guess they got a lot of money. And I was, and it had nothing to do with soccer. It is just that I have found, well, okay, all my prior experiences with professional sports, they lacked a soul. They were morally bankrupt. And it was about the God almighty dollar. It wasn't about the community. It wasn't about being a force for good. They, they do things for the the PR guys. And I was like, well, this isn't just my company. This is my legacy. This is my son and my grandson's business after I'm gone. So do I want to get involved with that type of people? And, and that was my mindset. 
So to make a short story longer, sorry about that, guy. We love it. No, no, uh, this is. I, I I could ramble. I know, especially when it's about something I love so much and it's so exciting, and it was such a paradigm shift for my family. They reserved the Coliseum for us for an audition. I could have quit right there and just not gotten the gig and been on 7th Heaven. We were driving down that big tunnel for four Olympics. O.J. Simpson went down. The murals are up there. And my son and I are driving in my little van. And we're laughing like crazy fools. I mean, we're like, yes, this is so cool. And I didn't know that thing is like a bloody megaphone. You could whisper in that tunnel and they could hear you. So then we got Tom and Rich and Alice and all the big wigs lined up in the field. And uh, we talked for a little while. I flew Luke, my Falcon. I still have him. And as I'm talking and I'm giving like my pitch, like what I think you should do is like, well, I think you really need to go after the education part of it. I mean, I could do that with these. I mean, we'll get the kids excited about education. We'll enlighten them to the world. We'll sneak in some education in there. I could speak to ultraviolet light, Bernoulli's effect, or why are feathers fluffy? And I'm, I'm pitching what they're about. So we have more conversations, had lunch, and I'll never forget this day. I'm at this big table and all, everyone's there. Bob wasn't even hired yet, but everyone else is there and I'm at the end of it. I mean, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Then um, Tom, God bless his heart. He goes, can you put the opponent's logo on the Lord and have my jacket? I'm like, hell yes, we could do that. I thought it was just too diabolical to mention. But yes, I, we could do this. I have it all planned out. <clears throat> Rich says, would you uh, paint your body in gold and run across the pitch naked? Okay. <laughs> no, he did. I'm like, no, dude, what? And he goes, well, that's cool. Because you're just saying yes to everything. I just want to make sure you're, you're real. Because... LAFC is about being real. It's about being honest. It is about the community. It is about a force for good. And then as I got to know the owners and they finally agreed to my contract, which is one year before opening day, 14 months, I think, actually, before opening day at the stadium, I and Alina, oh my gosh, you got to mention Alina in all this, talking about a yeah. force for good. Uh, she's the director of the foundation for those. Who- yeah, Alina, we had we had interviewed Alina probably like 10 or 12 episodes ago. We lo- we love Alina. Oh, before me, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> right, she's a friend of the pot and you know, spoke very we, highly of you. So we, you, you know, know what, we had we, to set we, it up, right? We had to set it up. The, we had to do the foundation to then do the the uh, wing solutions, which is now California Falconry, right? Because it, it was the chicken and the egg scenario. Right, we we had to we had to do the foundation first to, Dude, you to are present suspect. it for you. You are. <laughs> I I I believe you. 
totally on that one. That well, was... you can't go sky high without a foundation. That is, that's not a good plan. You're, no, you're good. You're good. Absolutely. But no, we yeah, we, we so love Alita. Once, she's great. Yeah, she's awesome. Foundation's fantastic. And if you purchase one of our gray shoulder-to-shoulder scarves, every single bit of the proceeds, every penny we make on it goes to the LAFC Foundation. Uh, so hit us up about one of those. I'll take two. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll send them to my, you. My grandson, Ethan, has to have one. Don't hear a oh, cool yeah, story absolutely. about how soccer affected our lives? Oh, fire away? Yes. Third generation. Ethan is a third generation professional falconer. I got him into it by literally putting him in the car seat with Papa. And we would drive around and I would take him hunting with a great, and I do mean a great big female Harris Hawks. We were slamming crows and jackrabbits. And he was still in diapers going, yeah, let's go. So that's how I got him into falconry. The day that my son Jason and Ethan were next to Will Ferrell, April 2018, he was just like fangirled out. Like, I just want to breathe the same air as Will Ferrell. So was Ollie for a few flaps there as well, too. Ollie didn't want to let go of Will, I think I remember. Okay, I have learned now that I can slap cameramen around. Because what happened is when she launches off, she takes off from, say, what, six foot six, six foot eight, wherever Will is, and she drops down to gain her momentum. Well, the cameraman blocked her off. We had never rehearsed that. And that is not a, a technique that falcons could do. A, a hawk can, they have a lot more lift. Falcons don't, they're, they're the Ferraris. They need the, the long runway to get going. So yeah, that was 22 seconds of moderate terror because of the cameraman. And I don't know if you guys have ever noticed, but there's never been another cameraman between Ollie and I again. Nope. And there have been a few that have been drug off by me. Like, dude, I asked. I try to be cool about it, but like, you, you got to learn from your mistakes. It's, it's, it's showtime. Oh, it added to the drama of the moment. Everyone was shouting, Ollie, Ollie. I mean, it was, yeah, it was a good moment. No, it wasn't. I was dying. I was dying. <laughs> we have still not watched that video. It was horrifying. Uh, no, it, was, it, was, it, it, did, it was Hollywood. There was something really cool about seeing Ollie, like, just, like, flap, flap, flap right there on Will's arm, you know? Like, it, it, I think there was something cool about it. It was, you know... It was suspense. It was. It, it looked good from the outside. Al up in the booth, he's in my ear. So I got a time to step on the pitch, onto the Falcon, get the Falcon airborne, make four passes, started on cue, and ended on this tone. So that's where my brain was at. But once Ollie took off, I ran like 35 seconds long, and I was just like, cool, she flew back. bad. She was awesome. She, she did a nice little kid. north end tour as well, too, right at the end of that flight, if I remember. Yeah. She was doing like the normal ups and downs. Then we got a little like extended love to the north end. And then she came in for the final kill. I remember it. It was a great moment. It was a great moment. We so were was, months to ask- north end love, just so you know. Several months to get the favoritism of her flight to the north and west sides. Why is that? Uh, let so, me hold on. I want to know why. Why? Why is that? Is there is there a reason? 
nature-wise or just a tendency of Ollie? Each falcon has their own personality and they're different types of falcons. Ollie is a redneck Shaheen falcon and she wants to fly big and fast and bold. So for her to stay inside the stadium was my first challenge. Then to have her stay below the top of it was my next challenge. So then when she started to, to hold tight to me, like in practice, she hit 114 miles an hour. And tell you, that sounds cool. From my perspective, it looked cool. But everyone in the stands being, did you see her? I, no, I didn't. Did you see her? I mean, it's just this wicked dot that blasts past. It's, it's not a good show. So then she started hanging tight. So my decision was, do I fly at center pitch and give everyone the best show? Or do I go to the north side? I mean, that was easy. I, I remember the day, the 3252 was actually my last interview. When I met the founding fathers at the Experience Center, the original one, and they didn't know anything about the Falcon. And the, the way Rich put it to me, says they do not want a mascot with some dude dressed up in a silly, fuzzy costume. They said, no mascot. So if they don't like you, you're out. Cool, no pressure. And they loved it and I fell in love with them and I felt the vibe and I just, it's just, it was, a, it's a visceral moment. It's, you know, it's a connection is what makes the game real for me is that energy that connects everything together in a palpable way almost. So that so, is that what led you to decide to have to have that flight in front of them instead of going to center pitch because of that yeah. interaction and that passion that they felt towards you? And they give me and, and the support. And it's just, it was like such a simple decision once we finally got Ollie inside the stadium. I, and I try, I don't always get it, but when she hits the lure, I want her to fly right in front of the 3252 and pick it up. That doesn't always work out that way. The love from Ollie for all the, the North End fans is, is definitely legit. Ollie and, and all the birds typically tend to, to make a little trip out there to Christmas Tree Lane. Christmas Tree Lane, uh, notorious, maybe it won't be for some time, but has been somewhat famous for the massive amount of hugs you get from, from all the people, but you know, one of the best hugs in the North end is you can, you're a winner there, man. Right. That's, 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 I mean, everybody knows you're an amazing Falconer. Not many people know, unless you're a North end regular, the Ken is also an amazing hugger. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Call me flat foot on that one, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Ethan saw his first match. He got to breathe the same air as Will Ferrell, which was totally going to, not be happy with me because I just said it twice on air. He's going to listen to it, which is cool. But he saw Sock for the first time real life. He was a junior in high school. Soccer season started. He went back to his high school and he asked the coach if he could try out for the team. Coach said no. So he came back the next day. He says, can I train with them? Coach said no. He came back a third time and says, coach, can I Watch and maybe just be, you know, just get your jersey on. We'll, we'll let you practice with us. You know, just stop showing up every day. So to make a short story long again, 
he became a co-captain, starter. His senior year, the International League club down there called the Cosmos asked him to try out. He's a starter, and he's a starter on his varsity team and co-captain again. What position does he play? Center front back. And the only reason he says he does that is because he's the only one who uh, runs off season. <laughs> he, can, he can handle it going back and forth. His technical skills, he, he knows, are lacking. But when I talk to his coaches, no one has a better attitude and no one works as hard. They also put yeah. him Goldie in some other places, but I think that's where they're happiest with him right now. They did also in Vegas at a tournament play against the Galaxy's academy team. While they did lose to him, they were the only team to score against him in that entire tournament. And that was the first time that team got to play together, too. So, you ever uh, bring him by the uh, training pitch to get a little couple tips from Bob and uh, the rest of the training crew there? I'm going to ask again. You know, we have not been able to go there. I'm not a, an insider. I'm the Falconer guy. I, I tend to be a distraction, I think. And oh, I'm, sh- I'm sure you could get Latif to come out and teach him some footwork. Latif's always down. Oh, no kidding. That dude is so cool. I have, I've met, I think, all the players last season. I got a good locker room once. That's pretty awesome. What is the players' response to seeing the birds? The first day they ever, the players, went to the Bank of California Stadium and um, they said, you got one minute. Introduce them to all in what you do. So I walked in there and they're all tunnel vision, you know. They're going out there. They're still trying for a place on the team. Bob is there. And they see the Falcon and they kind of go, oh, cool. Then I whip out the lore of Carson on it. And he's going to fly down. He's going to attack. And he's going to hunt and kill the opponents. Crass. And they freaked out. It was awesome. They were jumping up and down like that was awesome. As I walked out, one of the coolest memories of that whole day, of the whole year, maybe the decade, Bob looked at me and said, good job, and patted me on the back. We're going to cloud nine. So once they saw the logo being attacked, and when the players actually are on injured reserve or for some other reason they're not dressing out and they're able to see the flight, they have all been exceptionally supportive, and they think it's so cool and unique. So thank God. Like I'm that. kind of curious to hear, before we get into to the game day experience itself, from the time LAFC signed you until we ended up seeing that first flight, how did you go about the selection of the various birds that you were going to use? How did you put that original lineup together? And, and how did that decision-making, because I'm assuming training a bird from birth to do what you do for LAFC is probably very different from when you're doing pest abatement or something like that. It is exceptionally different. I had to get non-indigenous species due to federal permitting. I only got um, two Renape Shaheens. We got two Sakers, a Barbary Falcon, and a Lanner. Because you're making a team, and not everybody makes the team. That's just the way it is. I got access to the Dodgers Stadium, which it was like, one of the most incredible experiences. We take the babies in their little crates. We'd pull up right to the gate. The guards would open. I mean, I get to pull up like 10 feet from the gate, from the outfield. They 
open the gate and I get to walk in there and right between uh, right at center field, that open area, that's where we got to have the Falcons. We get to you know, hear the crowds and waves. I went to a Mexico-Croatia game, took him to a bunch of schools, a lot of events. So they just think crazy screaming humans are just the norm. Do you have to like protect them from home run balls when you're in center field? Does someone have to like be there and shag anything that comes at them? We hit a home run ball and you, God, I wish I could, if anyone could find this video for me, I will give you my firstborn child. So <laughs> Falcons up on the glove and we taught them the big way. When the crowds roar, we put them up and they start flapping their wings and oh god i forgot the guy's name he hits a home run ball and the camera from behind home plate is watching it and you see this falcon up above the fence just going the big wing and the ball landed 10 foot away from the falconer i have holding her and they played that for the next three games i was told as highlights that home run ball and the falcon in the over the fence. I'm sure we can find this video. What year was that? That had to have been what 2018 then. Yeah. Oh God, I, I'll remember the game. I have the home run ball too. Oh, I want to say Pui. Yeah. See, I was going to say like who was hitting home runs then. Yeah. I, I think it was. Yeah. Did I see his uh, name yeah. right? Yasiel Pui. Yeah. Yeah. Make fun of me. It's okay. Yeah, no, it's all good. Home run ball. If you, no, I'm serious. That was like so cool. Get a picture of that next to the that ball. Because the guard had to take the ball, ask if the hitter wanted it. He said no. So he brought it back and gave it to me. It's on my map. Wow. wow, that's so, pretty yes. cool. So they got to go to live sporting events and kind of get a feel for it. And that was part of their training process. And so how did um, you know, uh Ollie end up coming out as as the final choice? She is Alpha Omega. She is so freakishly confident. She was one of the younger Falcons, and they're all babies. You know, Alpha is stakes the highest perch, and she would just walk up to, like, say, Fake, who was much bigger at the time, and say, dude, I wasn't asking. And they'd all go, like, cool. <laughs> I get it. <clears throat> so super stable, and she just flew better her first year. And like I said, my main issue was keeping her in the stadium. Whereas Fig and Mel, they definitely had issues being a little bit too tight. They would fly up and, and down kind of a style. It wasn't that, that ringing type of flight because they were feeling confined by the stadium, I think. It was interesting. Then Sonny, he would buzz everyone in the whole stadium. His first year, we actually did fly him one time. But Barbary just, you know, if I'm in the middle of the San Joaquin Valley, I swear to God, that guy would be cruising around the foothills. So we had a sunny took several years to get going. And then all of just kept getting better. And now we have Fig as a solid number two. Sonny is good. I mean, I, I think any Falcon would be proud of that. But, you know, when you got a Messi in, in his prime, I mean, I've had many falconers uh, from uh, Abu Dhabi, the, the, the cradle of falconers. So it's still a huge part of their culture saying, dude, that's good. And I was like, whoa. 
That's from the highest caliber of Falcon on the planet. Wow. And the others, we traded them. <laughs> you know, I like to say. What does that mean? <laughs> well, okay. they, got, they acquired some transfer slots. It's not it's complicated, but we had an imprint male Shaheen who didn't fly that well. So I put him with a breeder who was going to make more baby Shaheens. So it was kind of like one of those future trade things because to imprint a bird and train it and socialize it and fly it, it's a tremendous amount of work. So I actually got paid my investment and future babies coming down the road. So it's kind of like a trade. That makes sense? Absolutely. So is there always sort of the next generation being raised? I mean, do we have some uh, young up-and-comers right now that we might see in the next season or two? I was hoping, but I have to raise them at sporting events and when the world's open. So we're we're hoping. I think that would be a, a wonderful experience, I think, for the education program where the kids could watch it grow up. The fans could get to know it as a baby and watch it blossom to this vicious symbol of the team. Could Ollie ever end up uh, having babies that could perform? Is that something, uh, I mean, you would ever do with her or she's capable of? Okay, this is going to sound weird right now. She's what is referred to as a stone imprint. I mean, I got her from a baby. We took a, a, a road trip to Utah, 12 days old. She was in an incubator on the way back. I am her human. Now that she's older, I am her mate. So to have babies with her, also, I am her only human. She tolerates my son. She tolerates Rachel. But if she doesn't hang out with dad every day, she will let me know about it. And my neighbors and my neighbors next to them. So we're, we're a, a couple. Uh, a pair bonded did something so for us to have children i would have to go get a donor sperm and artificially inseminate her and that's just you got to hear about the hat trick and all that it's just weird so i, I think ollie and i will be a plutonic cup in the next 20 years well she's she's the talent you're the the manager agent um, Jiggle. Yeah, absolutely. Those are your words. <laughs> She's a gorgeous girl. I've been a falconer 50 years, and she is literally the bird of a lifetime. It is impressive. Also. Speaking of Ollie, you know, I got a question for you, Ken, right? So Ollie became a celebrity after the first year. And at each pregame ritual, the media pans over and all we see are images and the big name, Ollie. But Ollie isn't always the one that's flying. So, you know, you have many Falcons that are part of, of uh, your the LAFC family. And so, you know, there's Ollie and Fig and Mel, Bond, Sonny. So what are the other Falcons roles and how often is it actually Ollie that we're seeing take the flight pre-match and why do you have so many that are interchangeable if we say it's all it's all we say it's mel it's mel so you always it's it's the lafc way we've had fig fly three matches and that was mainly for my son 
he flew them and um, it is a little bit of a comfort zone for me too because in my contract I have to have a backup and Ollie's my bird and my bird only there he does, she doesn't fly well for anyone else so we have had fig fly Sonny flew one time and it was for um, CONCACAF and no it was a friendly and what happened is that it, all the players were GPS so I go out there and GPS we put on our birds just in case they do fly off that I'll be able to get on my smartphone and see where they are and go get them so I, I'm not getting GPS um, I call up Alice's out you got two choices buddy we fly Sunny, my third stringer, or I don't fly. So that one time we did fly Sunny, and Sunny buzzed the crowd. I think Patrick almost uh, got beheaded because he was walking in front of her. So they're there to be flown at match day. Now, why do I have so many? We're just down to three right now, just in case. Ollie or Fig were to fly off, we have a backup falcon on the roof that's hooded. And the falconer holding that bird has a GPS and she could see, or he who's ever working, could see on the smartphone exactly what's going on. And if Ollie decides to go to Carson, she's gonna walk up from behind a pillar Yes, you look for her. She's pretty, they're pretty well hidden up there. Pop the hood, and you're going to see me point to right above the uh, director's box on the roof. And Falcon's going to come down, hit the lure, finish the show, hit my mark, hit my time. Then I'm going to scream off, go grab Ollie, and halftime will have some sort of announcement saying, this is what happened. So this has never happened. You haven't snuck this bias at any point. We would never do that. And there's been a lot of discussion, but we would never start off a match with a loss because that would be a psychological, just hit me in the face. We're not doing that. So we're going to, we're going to make the show work and we're going to go announce it. We're not, we're not going to sneak it past you. So if it happens, you will know. Well, there's so many connoisseurs of the flight that they know. Right. I think I think most people would realize, like, hey, that's not the same, you know, hawk that was flying previously. And certainly, we wouldn't want to, you know, disparage the honorary falconer, of which you have got to, you know, come out that tunnel with some pretty illustrious names. Yes. How much time ahead do you get to like hang out with those people? And do you ever take advantage of the fact that you're just like holding this raptor in their face to like, you know, sneak in a couple questions about their career? Or what's that like? It's a rush. I normally know about eight minutes advance of launch. So I have like three minutes of conversation, maybe five. And uh, there's exceptions like Kareem. I was a huge fan of Ollie. So we got to meet uh, in the uh, hallways by the players and we got to, we got to talk for a while, which was, <laughs> I totally fangirled out. I, it was awesome. How uh, far ahead of time do you find out who it's going to be? Eight minutes, maybe 10. That's it. That's all you know. I told them 
I think it was after Eric Dickerson that you just cannot do that to me, dude. No, that was like so messed up. He grew up in my era. He was an L.A. Rams. L.A. Ram. Eric Dickerson. Right? Like the yeah. man. Oh, but, yeah. E.D., man. Eric yeah. Dickerson. I mean, Most he rushing was, yards ever. Yeah. He's the single season icon here in Los Angeles. Not an NFL fan. Sorry. I still like you. Either am I now. <laughs> but, you know, he, he grew up in my era. And when I saw him, I was like, whoa, hold on. Retake. Five steps back. Okay. I'll, I'm ready to roll. But you just can't do that to me. Like Jerry West. Oh, my God. When I met him. I, so I, I, I go get eight to ten minutes notice. So I prepared myself to meet legends. So, so who was your favorite? Honorary Falconer so far. I'll tell yeah, you a quick yeah. story. She was oh, my yes. Mia Ham. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! I had a total crush on her when she was playing. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! Massive crush on her. Then I got to meet her several times, and I got to watch her with her kids, and she's just a sweet, nice lady. She's totally over herself, so. When she came out and she brought her kids, I was like, oh, yeah, Jason's so jealous right now, my son. <laughs> With Jason, got to be the honorary falconer for Fluffy, which he totally geeked out over about, too. And he flew Mel that day. Fig. He flew Fig that day. So, no, it's Mia. Ken, that, that, means, that means you were into soccer or football before LAFC. You saw me at the end of the day. Oh, my God. And it was so so huge for the, the women to take it all. And she was, God, hopefully making millions on all of her endorsements. So you saw her a lot more than that. But, yeah, I, I, I got the, the, the patriotic part from it. I think being the honorary Falconer touches those people in a way as well, too. I mean, you know, Will Ferrell goes on late night TV and, and the first thing he talks about with the LAFC experience is getting to be the honorary Falconer. You know, I know Julio, our, our, our co-director or director of active support. Everybody knows Julio. I, he's often said that the opportunity to fly the Falconer before the match was one of the greatest things in his life right up there with getting married and his kids being born. I mean, so, so what you're doing has that kind of impact on the people that are out there, you know, taking part in this. Wow. I got to get on that list, Ken. How do I get on that list? <laughs> okay. The man who knows eight to 10 minutes before lunchtime is not in any of those conversations. <laughs> Oh, come on, Ken. You got pull. You got pull. I had been wanting to do the um, post-game flights, you know, so when my I was going to wait till my sons are a little bit older so that they would remember the experience. So that's definitely something we're looking forward to participating in uh, maybe next season if, if it's back or if not, you know, whenever they become available again, because those do look like a lot of fun. So I'll get my yeah. chance. I just want to do it in front of a, a packed stadium. I have no pull on that, man, honest. I, no, I, I know. Uh, no, I know. When Joseph and, and Jimmy, who I think do an amazing job, were honorary Falconers, that was a big deal for me. And you asked about the lures. Oh, no. 
Page two, you're going to ask about the lures. Thank you. So let's ask about the lures. Whose idea? Because I mean, it's my understanding that the lures are typically made of birds' wings, right? So when did the idea come about to to make it, uh, you know, the knit crest? I was in a meeting with with all the bigwigs and executives, and Tom brought it up, says, can we make the lure with the opponent's logo on it? And I was like, yeah, yes. And I thought about it, but I thought that was just way too diabolical. And the opposing team might not take it well, which they take it really well. Most of the opposing team fans want a picture with that frigging lore. They think it's awesome. So uh, Tom, I think, would be the diabolical one who had the webos to put it out there. And it's really been received very, very well by the uh, opposing team's fans, which is my biggest concern, because I swear anyone who loves soccer, they are my friend. I mean, we have this connection that's we're psychotic. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, you just gotta be there, gotta experience it, no way to say it. The only two lures I've ever given away was, because they're, they're very meaningful. I find them very meaningful was to Joseph, the very first lure of the very first game for the very first president with Will Ferrell. He got that one. Then I don't guess, remember that game with those Carson fellows and we had them at home and we broke the curse and we kicked them out of the playoffs. Remember that one? Vaguely. Vaguely. Yeah. That lure I gave to Jimmy, the second president. That's 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 pretty powerful. So, what does it take to make one of those? A uh, seven thousand dollar burning machine. Then you get the 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 crest. It's not called a logo. You transport it to a PES file, embroider it, make a polystyrene, get it on a jigsaw, and weigh it down with three washers. So it's actually quite soft. So they can dig their talons into it, so it feels fleshy. You know, like they are hunting it because when they're stooping down on it, they are literally hunting that crest. It ain't no game for them. That's what lure flying simulates. So do they destroy those things? I mean, do you have to repair them? I keep pretty much all of them pristine except one. It's kind of tore has blood on it and just looks hated and attacked. Just one. The rest I'll get upkeep. All right. Yeah, yeah. I love that. That's that's a fun little fact right there. I'm, yeah, yeah. So when we get back in the stadium or when we get back to games, uh, what's the future going to look like for California Falconry with regards to the LAFC experience? Are, are you going to get to participate even in some of the closed door matches going forward? Or what can we expect from you outside of LAFC? Uh, all I could say is I'm praying. I want to be there. I don't, I don't know. I don't think they know either. They're really good about giving me notice for training because they've been away from crowds and it's getting a, while they are flying and they're physically fit, there's some socializing I'll have to do and uh, to get more game prepared. And I think as soon as they know, they'll let me know. So I don't know. Boy, did I take two minutes to say I don't know or what? 
We know that, you know, community outreach is a big piece of what you do. We were kind of curious to hear uh, once COVID restrictions lift, you know, what does a California falconry in the community look like? Boy, that's going to be a kind of wait and see because we are in the pipeline to have what we teach put into the LA Unified School District's curriculum for District 9, which is about 600,000 kids. So they think it's very important and adds great value. The, the coming into contact or in proximity to kids from off campus and screening, I, I don't know what that looks like. It's gonna either be, we're gonna go back to the schools and we're gonna have classes and we're gonna have falconry experiences. And we have, oh. Can you see that little falcon over there? Here, take a look. We have an unveil. Dun, dun, dun. Well, what have we here? Let's see, I can't, I can't, okay, there we are. That is, see my hand for scale? That is a North American kestrel. That is a beautiful male. And he is gonna be part of the education program in the classes so we can have literally, literally a microcosm of what we have in the stadium. I mean, the falcon is this big. So I'm gonna have the little lures and we're gonna be zipping around making passes and it's, it's gonna be awesome once we get back. Now, if we can't get back and have a Harris Hawk fly bond and the Kestrel who hasn't been named yet, he's five years old, long story on that one. He's still calling the new guy. Then it's gonna be the virtual classes and that will be a combination of videos where I can get some really quality footage of a lure flying falcon or a hawk coming into the screen with live interactions with the kids. We've done quite a few of those. They're, they're lacking the content in terms of emotional connection, I always felt. The teachers freak out and say it's the best thing yet, but best thing to watching their teacher drone on for four hours or you know what i'm saying it's a little different educational experience when you're in the flesh versus watching it on the screen for sure so we're going to be there one fashion or another well that's really cool yeah i think a lot of kids would totally dig it and it exposes them to this and you know it could be great for the falconry community when I was a kid, my mother was Audubon Society, and we used to volunteer with the Orange County Birds of Prey. And I'd put on the little glove, uh, and we would feed the injured birds or the baby birds that had been abandoned um, and help nurse them back uh, into health if they were injured or raise them, you know, if they were abandoned. And then we would periodically get to go to these big events where we would release 20 or 30 of them, you know, out into the wild or release them at different spots and spread them out. And it was this big caravan. And they'd load up everybody's car full of these big cardboard boxes with all Whoa. these kestrels and red-tailed hawks and, you know, barn owls, great horned owls. One time we even, um, there was an injured California condor and we got to see the condor released and its giant wingspan. 
And I have a picture of me as a kid with a kestrel that I'm staring face to face, holding it in one hand before we let it go. And it was a very powerful experience for me as a kid and something that, you know, I hope more people get to experience seeing these animals in the flesh because they are, you know, truly awe-inspiring. And they're all around us. And the city has its own ecosystem and the whole renewable concept about sustainability of our planet, I, I think is just a perfect messaging platform that flows so well. And I have gone back to schools where I haven't been there for three or four years. We're talking like little kids. I only do first through sixth grade because after that they get too hormonal and stop listening and they're not as much fun. And they come out and they say, Ken, how are you? How's Big Bird? We have a kestrel out in the back over here. And it's the best thing I do in terms of meaningful and gratifying. And again, you know, my legacy. Well, speaking of legacy, I think that brings us to our final question today. You have been very generous with your time, sir. And thank you for that. And I ramble. You kind of shut me up. I get, I'm sorry. No, no, we love it. We love it. But our final question, the name of the show, a question that we ask every guest, uh, and that is, Ken, what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you, sir? You know, I've been thinking about this a long time, and I think you actually brought it up and said it best. The hugs on Christmas tree lane, that community, that bond that we have, it, the, the phrase shoulder to shoulder is the perfect paraphrase for the emotion Does that make sense it's, absolutely it does absolutely it does you know i know we're not going to be hugging next year but my god 2022 oh i'm gonna just i'm gonna go crazy i just i just miss that so much you know that then just some of those other moments like when jimmy got on bent knee on the pitch and just Oh my God! It's I got like I got too much memories going through, and I just say one thing, and ten come to mind, and I don't want to say this. And I, uh, it's it means everything. It's it's the emotional content of it all. There. Beautiful. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. As we transition from Wing Solutions to California Falconry, is still at. LAFC Falconer uh, as far as your uh, social media tag and is it still at winged solutions or are is there a new social media handle that everyone should follow everyone should follow it and it'll be out shortly <laughs> I'll always be the LAFC Falconer or my son will be or my grandson will be maybe a great granddaughter or son will be in there too I don't know but yes thank you for for the plug I'll change my LFC Falconer so California Falcon will be on there. We are actually going to have some cool little merchandising too. How to sell uh, shoulder to shoulder scarves. I didn't, <laughs> I'm serious. I did not know all the proceeds went to the foundation. That's like huge. We actually have two scarves out. We have a gray scarf uh, where we actually donate uh, 100% of the money after cost and even uh, a, a couple little bit of the cost as well too to the LAFC foundation. And then we have another limited edition gold scarf we did in partnership with sticks and think Watts. And so if you buy the gold scarf, in this case, 100% of the proceeds of the gold scarf go to the think Watts foundation. So uh, we actually have two different charities that we are supporting with two different scarves. 
uh, and it's actually costing us money to sell each one because, uh, uh, you know, we thought it would just be good to help out the community. I'm trying to do, I mean, I guess what, what little bit we can in, in light of not being able to get together and support uh, one another in person. So that'll, Random that'll about- acts of kindness are profoundly important. It is not a little thing. It means so much to so many people. Amen. Amen. Uh, in the words of William Shakespeare, my falcon is now sharp and passing empty. And I suppose that brings our show to a close today. Uh, so thank you, Ken, so much for joining us. Uh, on behalf of sound engineer Wilton, Chris Christian, myself, Jonathan, thank you all for listening today. This has been a fantastic episode. Of course, follow Ken at LAFC Falconer. You can follow us at, at LAFCS2S on all your social media platforms. Thank you so much, sir. Take us home, sticks. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us old mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bank.